Hello, this is Clyde J. Kale, and welcome to the Old Time Radio Gems Podcast, featuring rare, unique radio programs from Radio's Golden Pass. Hello, this is Clyde J.K.L. with a brief reminder. Mystery Play Internet Radio is listener-supported, so I encourage your monetary support with a donation today. Please visit www.mpir-otr.com and click on the donations page. A one-time donation of any amount will be greatly appreciated. Again, that's www.mpir-otr.com. And thank you for listening to Mystery Play Internet Radio. This is Selden Menifee in Washington. I have invited Mr. William Benton, Assistant Secretary of State for Public Affairs, and Dr. Bess Goodykunz of the U.S. Office of Education to discuss the question, can we educate the Germans for democracy? Dr. Goodykunz is a member of the U.S. Education Mission to the American Zone in Germany, which last month reported its findings to Mr. Benton. Now, Mr. Benton, let me start by asking you this. In the last century or so, Germany has fought repeated wars of aggression. Do you think that in view of their history, there is any real chance of educating the Germans away from this sort of militarism? I'd put it this way, Selden. If democratic attitudes don't take root and grow in Germany, the peace of Europe remains in constant jeopardy. It's a tremendous undertaking to supervise the efforts of a demoralized people to reorient themselves, especially when they are a sophisticated people like the Germans. Perhaps the chance of success is only fair, but we must do our utmost because the stake is so high. The stake is peace in Europe. The fact that we are an occupying power must be something of a handicap in a way. I mean, they must resent us. Undoubtedly. But I want to add that I've been greatly encouraged by the report of the education mission. Miss Goodykunz helped to write that report. Weren't you encouraged, Miss Goodykunz, by what you saw over there? Yes, Mr. Benton. There are a good many favorable signs in the American zone. But I want to comment on what Mr. Menifee said a minute ago. I don't think there's much resentment of the occupation by educators. You frequently hear German teachers express the fear that we'll pull out too soon. Too soon? You think then, Miss Goodykunst, that we'll really be able to educate the Germans and democratize the German school system, do you? We'll not do the job of education. The Germans will have to do it. But if we can stand by for the difficult period of transition to see that they get their chance, the teachers now in the German schools will do the educating. You see, Selden, our job is not to teach the Germans democracy. No outsider can do that. Our job is to supervise the process. First of all, the occupation authorities had to see to it that the Nazis were cleaned out of the German schools. And are you satisfied that they have all been kicked out? Well, apparently the process was quite drastic. More than half of all teachers were dismissed in the first denazification screening. So many that in Bavaria there are now 83 students to every teacher. With the result that many German children only go to school for two hours or so a day. I think the house cleaning has been pretty thorough. After that, we come to our second objective, Selden, to help develop democracy. 
That was the purpose in sending the education mission to Germany, to advise the military government on how the schools might contribute to that end. Now, as I said a minute ago, all we can do is to supervise this process, to advise and help and set examples and veto any dangerous policy. Before we go into much detail on that, though, Mr. Benton, I'd like to ask Miss Goodykunst's question. We hear a lot about the so-called lost generation in Germany, the young men and women who, from early childhood, never knew any government but Hitler's. I remember reading about how they boycotted some of the early elections in Germany. Isn't it going to be pretty difficult to do anything with them? Yes, they're the most difficult group, Mr. Manaphy. They're still a bewildered lot. I remember going to visit a history class in a boys' high school. There we found about 60 young men, nearly all former soldiers, between the ages of 17 and 23. The teacher was talking about Charlemagne. We asked him, would you mind if we talked to them about current history? He said, I don't think it would be wise. Not wise, that's a strange attitude to take. Well, he went on to explain that these young men were so confused after seeing the only Germany they knew crash down around their ears that they just didn't, couldn't bring themselves to talk about current problems in Germany. They had to have time, and the teacher was making an honest effort to reach them by going back in history to something they could grasp. You're sure he wasn't a pro-Nazi who didn't want to teach them? No, his record as an anti-Nazi was perfectly clear. On this point of the lost generation, Selden, I think we should remember what has happened to the Nazi war prisoners who were trained over here in the United States. Of course, it was the cream from the prisoner of war camps who were selected for special training in democratic principles and practices. About 25,000 had this opportunity. The results so far appear to be very good. Since they were returned to Germany, Many of them have taken positions of leadership in the democratic parties, in local governments, and as teachers. Here's another bit of proof, Mr. Benton. We found in talking with the 7th and 8th grade youngsters about the Nuremberg trials that they were all convinced of the Nazis' guilt. Didn't the trials get more attention over here than they did in Germany, Miss Goodykins? I wouldn't say that. The German papers covered the trials pretty well, despite the newsprint shortage. Well, you both seem to believe that the Germans can be educated to democracy. The next question seems to be, how can it be done? Mr. Benton, you were going to say something about that a while ago. Selden, the most striking thing to Americans about the German educational system is the way caste distinctions have prevailed in it. The most important of the many proposals of the education mission, it seems to me, is for the reorganization of the school system to eliminate these caste distinctions. Can you give us an idea of how the caste setup works out in practice? A German child of 10, just finishing the fourth grade in school, goes into one of two groups. If his parents have a relatively low social and financial position, he has a relatively low chance of being prepared for university training. But doesn't that depend partly on his ability, that is, his school record up to then? Well, to some extent, yes. But the important thing is that more than 90% of German children have never had a chance to get what we call a liberal education. If their parents are working people without money, at the end of the fourth grade, they are generally separated from the small group destined for the universities, regardless of their ability. They get four more years of elementary school, then some part-time vocational training while they serve as apprentices. This is a violation of the fundamental democratic idea of equal educational opportunity 
and this must be changed if Germany is to be a real democracy. The education mission made some suggestions about this. Could you summarize them for us, Miss Goodikins? We recommended that the schools be unified and open to all students of ability up to the university level. Both vocational and general subjects should be offered in the same secondary school system, so that if they wish to, students can take some of both. All secondary education should be free of tuition, and there should be a much larger number of scholarships in the universities. I concur in these recommendations, except that I'm not convinced it's essential or wise to insist that vocational and general education be offered under the same roof. We felt, Mr. Benton, that the vocational schools and general high schools ought to belong to the same system so that the benefits of each could be open to all students. That wouldn't mean they must be under the same roof necessarily, though it might be a good thing at least in smaller communities. Just so long as courses in liberal education get maximum attention. Uh, Dr. Goodikens, uh, what other faults did you find in the German school system? Another aspect of the caste system is the extreme formalism, domination of the classroom by the teacher, the heel clicking, which makes an easy relationship between teachers and students almost impossible. Then, too, there is too much emphasis on accumulation of information alone. The German schools turn out good students, but the mission recommended that the social studies be so changed as to provide many active learning experiences, such as discussing, collecting data, forming judgments, expressing opinions, and words, so on. Excuse me. In other words, you believe in teaching young people how to get and use facts and not just teach them the facts themselves. Exactly. And we want the German students to learn how to make group decisions, how to vote, so they'll get the practice as well as the theory of democracy. Parents and the public must play a part in the schools, too. If you ask parents for their views on the school system, you are met with blank stares. It's an utterly new idea mm. to them. Well, we've been talking about long-range programs. There's one immediate fact we can't overlook, Miss Goodykunst. That's the extent of physical destruction in Germany. At Frankfurt alone, half a million books were destroyed by air raids or lost in the evacuation. Nazified textbooks have had to be eliminated, and the paper shortage holds up printing new ones. And then there's the shortage of teachers. In the American zone, for instance, only 38% of all the adults are men. That means the Germans will have to use more women teachers, especially in the country schools, where in the past men have always predominated. Mr. Benson, what can be done to meet the shortages of books and teachers? Seldom one answer is to give priority on paper to print more school books and intensify the training of teachers. And we in this country approve of the women teachers. The War Department, that is, our military government, is doing a good deal along this line already. We should give it encouragement to do even more. And it probably won't be able to do enough, not with its present staff. We have just 55 people over there advising about 18 million Germans about their education. The number ought to be doubled or tripled. In justice to the War Department, it must be said that they are trying to get good people over there. But there's another problem in educating the German children, the sheer physical problem of getting enough food and warmth. They won't learn much if they're cold and hungry. Yes, we often ask children in the German schools whether they had had any breakfast, and one out of every five, as a rule, said no. And there is practically no coal to keep the schools warm this winter. When we were in Berlin a month ago, 
It was already so cold there that we had to write our report with our overcoats on. I'd hate to send my six-year-old daughter to school under conditions like that. But if we supply all the things they're short of, won't we lay ourselves open to charges of pampering the Germans, Mr. Benton? In the first place, Selden, we can't supply all the things they need. And in the second place, the schools are one place where we don't need to worry about being called soft, at least not in my opinion. The youngsters weren't responsible for the war, and if we expect to leave a peaceful, democratic Germany behind when we pull out, we must, above all, see to it that the schools are organized to produce democratic leaders. But before we finish, I'd like to add a word or two about one other important recommendation of the education mission. The proposal that German teachers and students should be allowed to come over here to observe our schools. It won't help much to do this on a small scale like the Rhodes Scholarships. If it's worth doing, we should consider it on a large scale. Say a large scale commensurate with the problem. Let us say three or four thousand carefully selected students a year. And that goes both ways. We should encourage our educators to go over there as well. Of course. They could learn a lot from us. But after all, we could learn some things from the Germans, too. Of course. Now, Mr. Benton, a large-scale exchange of students would be quite expensive, wouldn't it? If our objective is a peaceful world, we ought to do such things as we can to prevent the resurgence of German militarism. One way to do that is to infuse the German educational system with democratic ideals and practices. And you feel that exchanges of teachers and students are the best and cheapest way of bringing that about, do you? Well, a very good case could be made for that view. We don't want any mere surface conversion to democracy. You've heard that story the Germans themselves used to tell in pre-war days about uh, Goering's visit to a German factory. No, I don't believe I have, Bill. Well, the story goes that Goering asked the workers to be perfectly frank about their politics. He asked for a show of hands on how many were communists, and about a third of the hands went up. He asked for a show of hands on how many were social democrats, and most of the others raised their hands. Then he's said to have shouted, aren't there any Nazis here? The reply came back, we're all Nazis. I see what you mean about uh, surface conversion. Well, thanks a lot, Assistant Secretary of State Bill Benton and Dr. Bess Goodyfence for taking the German educational system apart and showing us how it can be put together again. May your proposals be followed out and your best hopes realized. Selden Menefee speaking from Washington. This program, Uncle Sam Speaks, is a public service transcription.